first. We're gonna have a ball. Hi, this is Trina Parks. I'm Thumper from Diamonds Are Forever, and you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. All yours, Bambi. Welcome back to the final mission of the rookie agents that are featured on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors of White Rocket Entertainment. I am your host for this final mission, Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, aka Death Probe. And joining me as veteran Bondophile co-host for this last mission is my brother Jason, the rogue weasel skull, Albrecht. Jason, aside from going rogue, what is the most Bond-like thing you've done since our last recording of Spectre? Well, over the past long weekend, I took a trip up to Station C in Canada. I went to Harrison Hot Springs with Julie and had a good time up there. Came back home. First Mm. thing I had to do was send in my final measurements for my kilt for my wedding in Scotland that I'm going to be attending. So... We got some George Lazenby kilt action. Mm-hmm. Oh, the kilt you'll be needing. I can hook you up there, we shall skull. Oh, you're a little <laughs> rounder around the middle than I am, but uh, we could let this out a little bit. Here, I'll take it off right now. You can have it. <laughs> oh, right. no, 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 that's okay. Oh, oh he wasn't wearing it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's my shillelagh. Enjoy, enjoy the Here, kilt. Take this tear cloth onesie. I can't blame him for being traditional. I mean, that's how you are supposed to wear a kilt. That is a good point. That is a good point. Mr. Connery's to the age where we can forego some traditions, how we say. That's <laughs> all right. He's back in his room, so we're going to be okay. Well, what about you, Jared? What kind of Bonnie and things are you up to? Ah, I was afraid you would ask, but I have the answer. Do you remember in Skyfall after he gets shot off the train and then he just kind of goes and lives an unemployed life for a while? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're going there. (laughs) Yes, I recently found myself jobless as James Bond did in Skyfall. But you know what? I didn't get any scorpions, any booze, no random hot chick to shack up with by the beach. Just got my usual family. But I don't want any of our listeners to worry. Everything's fine. Got plans and schemes. But yeah, I'm straight up Daniel Craig unemployed Bond right now. Well, let's hope your uh, unemployment is as much fun as his was. (laughs) (laughs) I expect to see you at a bar drinking with a scorpion on you. Then not. It really stings. Why would it hurt this? And all of a sudden, it's die another day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, this episode is the bonus episode. It's never say never again. It's the final of our ongoing series on this channel that for the last time will be called Rookie Agents. On Rookie Agents, Jason and I are taking two friends from our lives who are not familiar, well, they weren't familiar, with the 007 universe through the entire series of films, one movie at a time to get the newcomer's point of view on this film series that we love so much here at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So let's get the Rookie Agents for the last time. 
Never. <laughs> never say never again. Introduce never. to the show. Delvin, the dark web, Felix Leiter, Silver Hands, Pop Pop Hiss, Hot Thing Williams. Yes. Welcome back. What Bond-like thing have you done since we recorded Spectre? I have recently entered into an accountability pact with a buddy of mine. He's looking to lose some weight, and he wanted me to come along with him with his journey and me being the helper that I am. I said I would. And he asked what made me uncomfortable. And it turned out that I answered honestly like an idiot. And I said, jujitsu tournament. And so I'm prepping for a jujitsu tournament. Ah, so you're probably watching a lot of male to go and gun. Roger Moore at karate school. Yes. I, I need I need some pointers, you know, making sure that my hands are the right way and I'm in stance. Gavin, just make sure you're standing under something solid that you can grab onto. True, true. Do the double butt kick. They're not they're not very good yet, but I'm looking for some 12 and 13 year olds <laughs> to beat up on, and I think that my chances of success are very high. There's one more thing I wanted to add to this. Yeah, you know, I talked to my instructor. My instructor mentioned, eh, you know, wouldn't hurt drop a little bit of weight, be in uh, good shape for the tournament. And so now I'm doing the counting calories of stuff, you know, app on the phone and everything, you know, mm-hmm. hoping to eliminate my free radicals. So oh, cut out that white bread. Yeah, that's right. You know, only black bread for me for the culture. Jared could send you your uh, godsons and you could practice on them. Yeah, you can fight my kids if you want. Oh, that's true. Sorry. Shh, shh, don't sleep. <laughs> it could work. Off to a good start. All right, Pat, DJ Cristados, yes. Agent Cristados. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Uh-huh. Almost a full blown agent. We will have a graduation special for our next episode, so everyone can look forward to that. But before we get into that, Pat, what's the most Bond like thing you've done since we recorded Spectra? I started thinking to myself, you know, now that I've seen all these Bond movies, do I really need to go back and rewatch them or not? Hmm. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I shouldn't. Well, maybe never. Never say never. Coming <laughs> <laughs> around the track, it's Beetle Bomb. <laughs> Here comes the joke. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start to rewatch them again. Just well, so I can get my numbers up. Good. I don't want to tip too much hand as we've already got several audio files from our friends for your graduation episode. I'm really looking forward to those. And some of them have pretty much required you guys to continue your rewatch. Oh, okay. We'll see. <laughs> well, never say never. <laughs> I was really hoping that your Bond-like thing that you did since we recorded Spectra was to get yourself a tiger or a lion-faced bathing suit like Kim oh. Basinger had. Hey, uh, you know. I got a holiday weight going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, was that a lion or a tiger? It was a tiger. I feel like tiger. it was might have been a tiger. Yeah. You got to work on that flexibility, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness. I think I might. I wear a lot of button shirts for work. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe I'll just, you know, don't button all the whole top and just leave like the last two buttons buttoned up and then the rest can just let my manliness be out yeah. there. Yeah. I like it. It works for Sean. So I'm like, you know. <laughs> With uh, Pat following the fashion sense of 1980s Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with 1980s Sean Connery. There was not. He was toyed. 
Tiger. Tiger. So anyway, you guys already know the deal with this show, but in case you didn't, long story short, Van and Alan do a review show. I don't know that they're doing Never Say Never Again, but we are. We take the rookies all the way. Uh, They may may not. Never say never. (laughs) He's going to do that the whole episode. Never. Never say never. <laughs> All right. Well, bottom line is they've never seen the movies before. Now they're watching them. And they never are going to give us their opinions. You know, Jared, we should have seen this coming. We should have seen this coming. <laughs> they were not ready for this. Perhaps we promoted them too soon. But anyways, yeah. let's get into Never Say Never again. But before we get our mission brief from Agent Jason, he's going to jump right into the action with no parachute. The script still says in a new segment called What Makes You Say That. It still says <laughs> new segment in the script. Yeah, it wasn't highlighted, so I didn't pay attention. <laughs> We've done this bit like 20 times. <laughs> I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. So speak over a hold your peace. Okay, I've got the two quotes for Jason tonight. And All right. You say that in case you never listened to our show before. Welcome. And basically what happens is I give Jason a line from the movie and Jason gives me the line that came before it. He rewinds it in his head and he gives me a line that came before it. Before you go, I got to say, you got to have a closers mentality in this game because I just listened to our Quantum of Solace drop and boy I, I butchered both of those quotes up so i'm hoping i can put that behind me mm-hmm. come out and have a good showing today i bless believe your heart, jason bless your heart you said butcher so <laughs> oh, oh wow. you're just showing off now Del. these guys are going on point now i love this segment so much <laughs> <laughs> anyways let's, let's, get, kill. <laughs> let's get going what makes you say that here's your first line you leave Domino out of this. Ooh, boy. Oh, I know the scene. Do you? Help him out. What's the scene then, Pat? Number 12. Yes, Pat is correct. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, it was um, in Shrublands with Domino's brother, Captain Jack Patachi. Patachi. Mm-hmm. Boy, and that led to him getting the ass kicked out of yeah, him. She <laughs> him yeah, she Oh, way. man, yeah. She that was- it up, flipped him. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, she rubbed him down. Oh, no. Ooh. If Jack likes his fast cars and pretty women, yes. and if Jack ever wants to see his sister again. There we go. There, you go. <laughs> there it is. I think it's, and if Jack wants to keep his sister alive. But I'm okay. giving you the credit. I'm giving yeah. you the credit. Okay, okay. Boy, it took me a minute, but I got there. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for the help, Pat. Okay, here's your second one. And I okay. think it's a little more difficult, so good luck. I'll try and deliver it in style, though. Okay. Then I cut your throat. I know this one. And what if I ever leave you? And then she says two more words. I don't, what does she say after that? What do you got, Dylan? No, really. Correct. Oh, very good. Good. You guys comboed on that one. She says, no, really? And then he says, and then I cut your throat. And she's like, what the hell? That's not funny at all. That's, that's not cool. So a little help from the rookie almost full agents, and we got there. Yep, thanks for the help. It's all good. I would never do that, Delvin. Never say uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. With that, Agent Jason, please give us a quick mission briefing on Never Say Never Again. Sean Connery is James Bond, Agent 007. Never say never again.
My name is Bond. Oh, you're Mr. Bond. I believe I'm having you in half an hour. Oh, splendid. Your room or mine. Heavy, Mr. Bond? You're marvelously well equipped. Thank you, James. So are you. Good to see you, Mr. Bond. Things have been awfully dull around here. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. I certainly hope so, too. Bond, the game is over. Sean Connery is Ian Fleming's James Bond in Never Say Never Again. So in this thrilling 1983 remake of Thunderball, Sean Connery returns for a final foray as James Bond 007. James Bond is under new management, and that management has little use for the 00 section. That is, until Spectre steals a pair of nuclear missiles. Then James Bond is called back into service. Narrowly escaping assassination at a health resort, Bond follows the clues to Nassau. There he teams up with local agent Small Fawcett to investigate billionaire Maximilian Largo and his ship, the Flying Saucer. 007 nearly escapes a series of deadly traps by Spectre's number 12, the gorgeous and deadly Fatima Blush. Following the Flying Saucer to the southern coast of France, Bond teams up with longtime ally Felix Leiter to continue the hunt. Revealing to Largo's girlfriend, Domino, that Largo had her brother murdered, he's also able to recruit her to the side of the angels. Gunfights, a high-octane motorcycle chase, and a thrilling underwater confrontation conclude with James Bond and his friends saving the world one more time. Never Say Never Again was directed by Irvin Kirshner. The studio backed the project with $36 million and the movie raked in more than $55 million. The cast included Sean Connery as James Bond, Kim Basinger as Domino, Klaus Maria Brandauer as Largo, Max von Sydow as Blofeld, Barbara Carrera as Fatima Blush, Bernie Casey as Felix Leiter, Edward Fox as M, Alec McCowan as Q, also called Algernon in the movie, Pamela Salem as Miss Moneypenny, and Rowan Atkinson as Small Fawcett. Back to you, Jared. Thank you for that, Agent Jason. Now let's find out what our rookie agents thought about their final mission in our segment called Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? Well, folks, normally we break the movie up into three parts. We talk about the pre-title sequence, and then the credits in the song, and we do Jared's Choice, but there's not a pre-title sequence. There's not an opening credits. Nope. There's a song. Ridiculous. But there will be a Jared's Choice. But So I propose we jump straight to the song. Let's go ahead and jump right into the song. So it's Never Say Never Again by Lonnie Hall. With that, let's go ahead and find out what your thoughts were on this song. Like Jared said, this was really weird beginning. So I was like, this threw me off. A lot of people struggle with this because it doesn't have a gun barrel. Yep. It It has that crazy uh, double O's thing. Yeah. And And then 
right into the action, which we'll talk about shortly because it's pretty good action scene. But that doesn't matter. We're talking songs. We're talking okay. Lonnie Hall. Let's see. Delvin, what do you think about the song? <laughs> it's not a bad song, but I couldn't say it, it fit with what was going on. And since we're kind of merging this song slash free credit sort of kind of a little bit, maybe I was like, wait, song's coming on. And there's like, no, no, walk, no, no gun. No, what's, uh, I, don't, I don't like this. I'm out of my comfort zone. <laughs> what is this, another Daniel Craig film? <laughs> I know, this movie went wrong. Um, <laughs> not a bad song. Didn't quite fit with the action that was going on at the time. Because what was going on is, it looked like he was infiltrating this place to save this girl. But they're singing this song about kind of like a one night stand. <laughs> Didn't really fit. They did work it throughout the movie a little bit to pretty good effect, I think. At the opening, it didn't quite fit to me. I agree a lot with what you're saying. It's yeah, it's kind of hard to digest as you're watching Sean Connery kind of run through the jungle and take out these guards and kind of listen to this lounge song. I will say the one part that I kind of do like, and I can't really explain why, is the very end. Like just before he throws that flashbang into the room and mm. then jumps down from the rope and goes in there how it like starts doing that crescendo mm-hmm, I'll yeah. teach you I'll teach you you know it does that thing yeah and then, and then boom you know it goes right into the action yeah I, I did like that part but yeah largely I think I feel the same way you do Delvin Jared what do you think I think this song has a little bit of a special place in my heart because as Jason would do when we were young he'd be like hey I need you to stay tuned to the radio and if they play never say never again you need to record it and I'm like <laughs> okay so you're like you're just gonna go take a shower real quick or something he's like yeah 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 I'm totally gonna go take a shower real quick and he'd be gone for three hours and I'd be listening to the radio and I actually captured this one so we had it on cassette wow they actually um, played this on the radio yeah it got a little bit of radio play it did get a little radio play yeah because this one was out the same time as octopussy so we were trying to get never say never again and all time high <laughs> Yeah, so Jared had to sit by the radio for like I six sat by the radio. I mean, I like the song overall, but I feel like it's an outlier. Sure. I hope I'm not stealing a Bond bomb or anything, but the producers did try to get John Barry to do the music and the song for this movie. And, and he, he said, said, I already did. <laughs> I yeah, did that in the 60s. But he said, no, uh, he took a polite pass because basically he didn't want to get on the bad side of Cubby sure. Broccoli. He wanted to keep his professional relationship with Eon. Middle of the road song. I like it because it doesn't get played out. Like it doesn't get played in a lot of James Bond song lists. People tend to leave mm-hmm. it out. So it has a unique flavor to me, but still it's not one of the greats. And I'll let you wrap up your thoughts, Pat, and then you can tell us what the scoring system's like. I think I'm going to agree with a lot of what you gentlemen have already said about the song. It's one that I don't think I've ever heard before, even back then. And when this was 1984, yeah, I don't remember it even getting any airplay compared to all time high. We might've called into the radio station and requested it. I can't remember, (laughs) but yeah, I would say all time high got more play, more more airplay. Probably. I, I mean, I remember that song. And so all I do remember is how you guys would sing it. From yep, like just like that. So I'm waiting for that part to come on. I'm like, where's that part that Delvin sings? So had you not heard it at all before you watched the movie? I don't think so. Wow. No, just from what you guys have sung in the past. So you so. never heard it before you saw the movie? Never, yeah. Never. And I'll say well, it again. I'll say never. it again. I've never heard it. <laughs> well, you can never say never again now because now you've heard it. Well, I may not play it again, but <laughs> in, 
with that, why don't we go ahead and figure out how we rate this song? And I'm kind of interested to see now. I think there might be a little variety here, maybe. So it's going to be on a scale of one to seven, just like we rate the movie. And I'll start with Jason. What are you going to rate this one? I think I would have to give this one a three. I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but I have to admit that after I watched the movie, I have been walking around for the rest of the week going, never say never. (laughs) It is an earworm. So I'll give it a three. You get more of it on the end credits than what you do during the beginning of it. Yeah. So I actually listened to it fully through the end credits. So I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll listen to it again just to, you know, I know I got to do something with it. So, Delvin? I'm at a four. It's about right in the middle for me. Like, I don't care about the lyrics, but it did have a little catchy hook to it. And then the crescendo at the end of the song made it cool, too. Yeah, just kind of loungy. Not bad. Don't want to trash her or anything. Just not one of the greats. Jared? If musical genius Joe November was here, he'd go with that classic 3.5. But he's not here, and I'm going to land with Team Delvin. I'm going to bump it to the four. I'm going to give it the bump up to the four just because of the nostalgia of it, the waiting by the radio for hours and hours (laughs) so I can record it. And when you finally caught that fish, I was so happy. Mm, I don't know. I just like that part of it. It was a fun summer to be a Bond fan. And even at the ripe old age of seven, I was excited because I had two Bond movies. One came in the summer, one came in the fall. I saw them both in theaters. This is where my theater Bond experience started. So it has a special place in my heart. I'm going four. I'll bump it up to the four. Pat, bring it home. Well, you know I like to cause some controversy here. Oh, so maybe you can call me a Sabretoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you an Edgar. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm going to go with the three. So we have ourselves a stalemate, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think what I want to do is since it's our last official Bond movie until 25, <laughs> let's give it out to the audience, the listeners. Help us. What team are you on? Team Two Cool Guys with me and Jason. <laughs> or Team Sit by the Radio. <laughs> sit by the Radio. Do you like it at a three out of seven or a four out of seven only? Cristados yeah. can know for sure. Let's let the audience make the separation for us. Well, I appreciate you jumping in with that, DJ Cristados, since we kind of did things in a weird order. But it's now time for Jared's Choice. We're going to revisit an old topic. Better not be underwater fight scene. I do not want to get (laughs) down this rabbit hole again. Nope. This movie has what is neck and neck for my favorite Felix. I love Bernie Casey's Felix. It's the most action-y Felix in the Mm -hmm. entire franchise, even though this is in the Eon franchise. You guys know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I thought he was amazing. He's wielding machine gun. He is in the thick of it. He is a partner to Bond, not just the kind of guy that shows up every once in a while. So let's just do it. Over the time, we've talked about David Hedison. We've talked about Jeffrey Wright. And now I think we have to put Bernie Casey. At least I do. I put Bernie Casey in in there with my top three. And I think it goes Hedison by a hair. And then Bernie Casey and then Jeffrey Wright. And they're all packed tight in there. And I'm just interested in how you guys would rank those three. Or if you didn't feel like Bernie Casey belongs in your top three, let me know. Pat, we'll start with you. Yeah, that's a good question. I liked him in this. And I liked him when he brought out the guns. I'm like, oh, man, he's got an Uzi. I know, I right? seen an Uzi in a long. I'm, like, I'm pretty, pretty cool. sure I was on another podcast. About that's Snake day. Eyes. I, I think we, we determined that Bernie Kate, well, Felix Slider 
shoots more people in this movie than James than Bond does. Anybody other? No doubt. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's laying out fools. I think like he laid out a bunch of fools, and Bond shoots almost no one. Then he's got that rocket launcher or that canister or whatever, that light blasting thing or whatever it is. He's just all and I'm not sure what movie you watched. <laughs> He shot the scene. Hey, yeah, he had those. He had because he says, you know, don't use the heavy Bond's weapon. Gone, yeah, because Bond's still in there. And, and then, then once Bond, Bond gets back out, they like start breaking out these big I, guns. Yeah, these big rocket launcher things that are shooting like phosphorus grenades. Yeah. Into the- oh, yeah, yeah. It's all coming back to me now. Did you even watch this? Uh, what movie is it? It's a Flash or a Sherlock episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's a long way of just saying I still got to go with Jeffrey Wright, Hedison, and then this guy. Who you may remember from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> He was in that? I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. He was like the dean or something like that. I can't. Anyway, he was an authority figure. That's all I remember. Delvin, you got out of it easy last time we did the lighters because you were like he was doing it for the culture. Well, now aren't you in a pickle, buddy? <laughs> we got double culture. <laughs> what yeah. are you going to do? But did Bernie Casey describe himself as a brother from Langley? <laughs> he did not. <laughs> he did not. So I still have Jeffrey Wright as number one. I can slide Bernie Casey in at three. He was definitely one of the more likable elements of the movie. And when he came onto the scene and James introduced him as Felix, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I I feel so ashamed for not remembering him because I know I've seen Bernie Casey in probably countless movies. And I'm like, I know that guy. Why is he familiar? Why is he familiar? Why is he familiar? familiar? I'm just, yeah. He was enjoyable. Never gotten away. Crucial part of advancing the action at all points when he came into the movie. So he was very enjoyable. I liked him. He got you to three spot though. For you, it's right. Edison, Casey. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing. No, not like me, they're packed in there. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. All wasn't, right, Jason. Wasn't Bernie Casey in Spies Like Us, too? I think he was. Yes, he was in Spies Like Us. He was doing the kung fu moves. That, right, yeah, yeah. They were like, what, we, what could we have done? And then, yeah. <laughs> this is my sister. Uh, you can all have her. <laughs> I've got to say, you got to put yourself in 1983 mindset, too. When I went and saw this at the theater, a black Felix Slider was new. He blazed a trail. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, you know, I think that it had a good Very positive good overall effect because I was like, oh, that's unique. <laughs> And then I was like, do I like this? He's a seven-year-old, Jared. You know, I don't have a lot of political beliefs or anything. I'm like, do I like this? Do I not like this? And then I was like, yeah, 100% doesn't matter. For this character, doesn't matter at all. He's super charming, and he does a lot of action. So anyway, it was kind of mind-blowing in 83. Jason, was your mind blown? Yeah, I think so. I thought Bernie Casey was the one Felix Leiter that actually fought like side-by-side with mm-hmm. Bob. I do not count the slow-mo old-ass David Edson. <laughs> Yeah, no, that doesn't count. I guess he did jump out of the airplane with him, though. So, <laughs> anyway, so to answer your question, I'm going with Wright as my number one. I think he's just a phenomenal Felix Leiter. I hope he gets a little more action. Like, I would like to see a Felix Leiter doing some more action beside James Bond, especially now that we've kind of started reading the comic books and I've kind mm-hmm. of got that. That's right. That's right. Number two, I'll go with Hedison. I think I'm going to follow Delvin's suit here. I think you got to factor in License to Kill. Yeah. Hedison was just such a pivotal part of that movie that slides him into the number two slot for me. And then Casey. But I will say it was really cool to see Casey's Felix Leiter actually doing some scuba diving and shooting some fools. And, and he looked tough, man, too. That scene where they sneak out of that. Oh, when he's boxing? That, yeah. And, and Sean Connery's riding the bike and he's like jogging behind him. He looks like he can handle himself. So mm-hmm. it's tough. But yeah, I'm going to go right Hedison, Casey. 
All right, there you have it. We've rounded out all the Felixes. I think we found the top three. Of course, you know, some people out there might like Jack Lord, the initial one. Nothing wrong with that. Rick Van Nutter. It's just fun to say Rick Van Nutter. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) Aside from that, Pat, guess what, buddy? What? The light is back on you because it's time for Double O Player. Oh, Double O Player. We'll do Double O Player, then we'll just get you guys into the plot. Okay. Move right along. All right. Well, I was writing down Double O Player here, so let's go ahead and see what the player's going to play. All right, for Double O Player, I got four. (laughs) You're damn right. It's a four. (laughs) It's a four. I got the therapist who was giving him whatever she was stretching on his back and all that. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Phantoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I called her fishing woman. Yeah. And Domino. There Domino you have player. it. Man, Connery went he out with a bag. <laughs> she sure did, man. <laughs> and he just couldn't squeeze in the time for that lady behind the desk at the hotel. <laughs> that Didn't one they? was on the line. <laughs> for old time's sake, I was hoping Pat said Miss Money Penny. <laughs> He didn't really. Oh, oh, don't change his right. <laughs> oh, man. He's going to change it up now. All right. Anyway. Well, Dallin, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got all of our little bric a brac through. I'm going to hand it over to Jason, and he's going to take the rookies to their final mission and get their thoughts. All right. Here we go, fellas. I'm going to start with Pat this time. Give me a high or a low. Let's kick it off somewhere. I don't want to say put in low, but like a middle road. With this movie, I was kind of offsetting on it or something. I don't, and I don't know if it's just because the way we watched them through that watching this one being an older one, you know, I'm so used to the newer Craigs and how we've kind of watched the film Mm -hmm. process Mm -hmm. progress out through it. To all of a sudden get really sucked back until 1983. Yeah, you kind of have to mentally put yourself in octopusy space and then get yeah, or something like yeah, like that. Um, and maybe that's what just threw me off on this one. Put you on the just... spot. Never seen ever again or octopusy. Which one you like better? Oh, octopusy. Okay, Thunderball or Never Seen Ever Again. Which one you like better? I would say Thunderball. Fair. Delvin, same set of questions. I'm I'm going rogue. Come on, just take it over the show. Right, this is my show all night long. <laughs> Same answers. Oh, no joking about the underwater battle scene. I, I legitimately like Never Say Never Again better than Thunderball. I'm that guy. And it's because like, of the sleepy underwater battle I, <laughs> You are alone on this island, my friend. I will, I'll live on this island forever. The underwater scenes in this movie were a little bit better, but it's probably yeah. due to the technology yeah. of the thing. I remember... I don't know how I remember because it seems like 40 years ago when we talked about Thunderball that I was saying that it had to be state-of-the-art stuff back in the day. And it was because they wound up winning an an Oscar. Yeah. I know. At least they got not. Yeah. I think they won an Academy Award for the stuff. Yeah. I don't remember if they were nominated or if they won one, but yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they did some revolutionary stuff there. I will give that props, even though, of course, that was the new thing, so they probably overdid it a little bit. Yeah. I thought they didn't really overdo it in in this movie, but it was probably they did it equal amounts, I bet. And just because the technology was a little bit more modern, it just didn't seem that way. That said, since we're talking about the parts of the movie at the end of the movie, when it came down to the water scene, I was like, Oh oh no, (laughs) (laughs) because I did not know that this was a remake of Thunderball. I didn't know that. Did you know that? I knew it was because we've had talked about it before. There's like word on the street was, 
<laughs> but I was like, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Thunderball, so I'm trying to remember everything about this one. And so I'm like, well, did this happen to Thunderball, or how did this go? And I couldn't remember the whole story. The names sound familiar, Largo and... Domino. Um, yeah. So now I want to go off script then. Why did they decide to remake Thunderball then? I'll let you take it, Jason. <laughs> Give him a refresh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Going back to the Fleming books, Fleming was pushing to have his novels turned into a series of movies. And so basically, this was before Eon Productions landed the rights to it. Kevin McClory worked with Fleming to develop a movie script for Thunderball. So there was a large legal battle after Broccoli and Eon Productions got the rights to bond over who could make this movie. They finally were able to come to a resolution that they let Eon make the film, but McClory got a production credit. So if you watch Thunderball, you'll see his name on the production. And so he also was able to hold on to some of the rights. So as the time progressed, McClory decided he wanted to do a Bond movie. And the only one he could legally do was Thunderball because he still had the rights to that. And so he could only legally do a remake. And so that's what he did. This is how the whole Spectre-Blofeld thing, because Spectre and Blofeld all appear in Thunderball. Yeah. That's why they got bogged down all the way until we got Spectre. Yeah. So, That's yeah. so confusing. Yeah, it's all because Kevin McClory helped Fleming write Thunderball, and he demanded equal credit and rights to it, and he won them legally. So, yeah, and it's right. it's been decades of them trying to sort that mess out. Yeah, sounds like a mess. Even you guys just describing it. That, yeah, definitely messy. <laughs> That's the story. And the really sad part is the bad breakup between Connery and Broccoli is pretty much why Connery did this movie. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of wanted to do an F you to Broccoli. Mm. That's unfortunate. I mean, they repaired their relationship on Broccoli's deathbed, essentially. But man, it's one of those things where why wait? Y'all been friends. Y'all created something awesome. You but, know how pride and men go sometimes, though, dude. That's for sure. That's for sure. I am glad that they were able to uh, make up, apparently, there at the end. But, yeah, it was sad the way that, that Connery left the franchise. And, yeah, still a good movie. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it some more. Delvin, give me a higher low. I'll start with a low, and it's a big one. It is a big one for me as a former, well, I was never a missileer, but I had to go through some of the training 21 years ago almost <laughs> now. And the setup for Spectre to get the bombs, in order for the bombs to get released, the president of the United States had single ability to arm nuclear weapons. Nope. Well, and apparently he had to go to England to do it. (laughs) No. Why does our president get to arm? No. (laughs) But it wasn't, it wasn't American Air Force Base, wasn't it? It wasn't American Air Force Base, but it was, as Jason said, it was in the UK. So, no. (laughs) (laughs) I got hung up on the details. But it's kind of a big detail. Okay. I got a follow-up question. Sure. Now that we're on our last mission, tougher detail to swallow. The presidential single source for nuclear armament 
or no. super hot jinx for the NSA? Which one? <laughs> if you've worked in both, what is the least believable? <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough one right there. A Sophie's choice. <laughs> we are doing whatever we want on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> My response to that is, oh. <laughs> I would I guess I'd have to say the president thing because a ridiculously hot woman in NSA is unlikely. Single soul nuclear armament going to the president of the United States is completely impossible and would not happen under any circumstance whatsoever. So that was just a bad premise for me. Fair enough. All right, here's my question. Fatima Blush or Fiona Vope? I don't remember Fiona. Oh, Mr. Bond, James Bond. Hold on. Let me pause. Oh, wait. He was making feel. Yeah, Fiona. Fiona was the one who was fed up with his crap. Yeah, yes. James Bond and one touch from yeah. him and you can hear Heavenly Choir singing. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that because she was like, I like, no. Uh, all, all your every no. Well, not this woman. Not this time. I'll go Fiona because that was another like low point for me was how Fatima. I want Pat to talk, but I'll discuss later about another implausible thing that happened in the movie. Where it was <laughs> like, no, but Pat, go for it, man. I don't know if it was just what I watched, but you guys tell me if this happened in the movie you watched. When Bond shows up to Largo's place, he puts the guy in the closet, and I then right away it cuts to yeah. him talking to Largo and something. I'm like, I can I fall asleep? <laughs> I can answer this question. Well, did, it was, is there, was there a water or something going on <laughs> in the water that I fell asleep? That There is a missing scene on the home video release. It's very hard to find the actual complete one. I'm not sure if my Blu-ray has it complete or not. I have to go check. But yes, there was a scene where Bond meets up with Domino. Domino. That's what I was thinking. In an thinking arcade. Because, like... you know, it's the 80s, so they kind of updated it. And instead of a casino, it's all about an arcade. And he meets up with Domino and because she's like, hey, that's the dude who's pretending to yeah. be the masseuse. And yeah. he's kind of like, they molested me. But he's up it. to her. And then that's where he meets Largo. Because, yes, it is very abrupt. Comes out of that, yeah. the closet where he believes the guy. And next yeah. thing you know, he's like, buddy, buddy with Largo. Yeah, like, like, let's play a game, buddy. Okay, yeah, buddy. there is a missing scene <laughs> that I've seen, and I remember it. Seven-year-old Jared remembers it. I, I, was like, I remember it from the movies. Yeah, look at yeah. all those arcade machines because that was so cool back then, you know. And it's I need to check to see if my Blu-ray has it. It's kind of cool. Largo says people come to play games and you know put their money towards my thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like an all charity. Yeah, I'm like, did I miss something? I'm impressed that What's you caught it because a lot of people will just kind of you know zone out a little bit, and just take it for granted. But I'm impressed that you caught it. No, it's pretty it's like, jarring. It's kind of like it is. It, it's it like is. if you sneak into a Bill Gates function, right? Like I'm just sneak into this Bill Gates function, and now I'm just gonna hang out with Bill Gates, right? It's like <laughs> that, how's that? How's that happen? Just like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, maybe it's just watching all these movies through. I'm wondering if we should have watched this back then. Well, you can't second guess it now, mother. <laughs> yeah. Never say never. <laughs> and Jason and I did wrestle with that. We were like, should we put this in with Octopussy or make it a bonus thing? And the only reason we didn't was to preserve our synchronicity with Van yeah. and Allen. Yeah, yeah. We did discuss that back and forth. Okay. It probably timeline wise, yeah, it makes sense. But I gotta I, admit, as I viewed it, I like getting out of the Daniel Craig like super serious stuff and going back to where Bond actually did missions, you know. <laughs> you know, for like the government. <laughs> yeah. Did what he's told. 
you know. <laughs> that said, two things. I agree Pat. I wish we could have gotten the octopusy, never say never again comparison and kind of made that decision to see which one was better with the memories fresh. Nobody said you couldn't rewatch Octopussy before we did the show. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not allowed. No, and I, and I, I think when I watch these through again, I will watch these Together. putting this in its time in its time and place. Because sure. I think that helps to understand the movie. Definitely. You know, what was going on and why it looks that way. I think that Yeah, again, we really only did period. it this way because of the sinking with Van and Allen show. Screw them. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. The other thing that I wanted to say though is this M. Oof, didn't like yeah, it. This, yeah, this guy, that M was. Oh man, what a weenie! He was an absolute <laughs> weenie. You're just a gross bureaucrat with no spine. Yeah. That's not M. M is tough as nails. It didn't matter if it were the original M or if it were the Dame. Both of them were tough. It didn't take any crap from anybody. And this one was like bureaucrat. Yeah. Yeah. Old M was like, those double O agents were bullets in his gun, man. And he is not afraid to pull the trigger. The the underball was better. He had just contempt. It's like that boss that has contempt for his job. Well, not only for his job, but his employees. Because he just flat out did not vibe with anything James said or did. Had James relegated to just teaching because yeah. he had basically scrapped the double yeah. program. Like maybe, wow. maybe maybe that's the character he was playing because of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean they were trying to put a fresh twist on it, but unfortunately he comes off as unlikable. And oh, yeah. I know I'm blending yeah. into probably a whole other topic, but Miss Money Penny's very forgettable too. So yeah. it's kind of like, I was yeah. like yeah. and she seemed kind of ditzy too, like oh. oh. at least she was supportive the scene when they decided to go back with the double of sevens like you're back james you're back she was very happy for him and i appreciated that level of support that she was the one to tell him it was at that briefing when they realized their missiles had been ganked when the guy turns to him he's like you got like these super spies let's use them (laughs) you know (laughs) let's turn them loose and see what happens and to be clear i mean i have nothing against the actor i think the actor did a great job i just didn't like how he was written oh yeah i'm just talking about the character itself i don't know the actor from adam just the character of m as portrayed that's not the version of m that i prefer i prefer the toughest nails bond absolutely respects him or her yeah what about q hmm. what about him? algernon who's algernon i'm like where's q <laughs> I have no idea why they made that decision. Yeah, Algernon was Q. Yeah. Okay, but... That's still right there in the credits. Yep, that's the only way I could tell. I like the actor. I thought he was charming. And they see how they took different tacks again, where they made M kind of a a jerk, and they made Q like his buddy. Yeah. Where Q would kind of be a jerk to him (laughs) before. Yeah. Better than douchebag Q, I could tell you that. (laughs) At least this Q was inventing things. I know. He invented some cool stuff. Penta helps him out, you know, baller motorbike. Yeah. What does douchebag Q do? It's my blood, (laughs) 007. I basically took the Casino Royale thing. It made it worse. Should, should we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Delvin, what do you got, man? 
this cue was in the same boat as James because if the 007s were scrapped, then the Q branch was all but scrapped yeah. as well, which is why they had him down in the basement and not like cool, like Clinton, yeah. but like bad. And they just had, and so a lot of stuff and projects were kind of left to die. So he kind of had to cobble together stuff to give to James to get him back out in the field. The other improbable one, speaking of one of those, was the exploding pin and how Fatima had James. Yeah, she could have taken him off. Dead to rights. Pride got in the way, man. Yeah, yeah but that was. But, no. but. It got to set up the wonderful line of, well, there was this one girl in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just remember. That was funny. It's against our policy to hand, for agents to hand out endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> To me, I, I don't know. I wasn't amused by it. And yet, I guess it was because, you know, the pen had to come out, but there were just better ways than that hacky dialogue that got it to that point. Like, well, you know, you're not as good as a lover, but I'm an assassin. I completely dropped my guard. <laughs> you know, kill you. I have a debate with you about who was the better lover. No. Yeah, I will admit it. As I watch it this most recent time, it does have a bit of 80s cheesiness to it, but I guess since I've watched it since it was on the screen and new, it's I'm just used to it. So a good rookie opinion there. The movie relied a lot on you simply accepting that Sean Connery, James Bond was the James Bond. sex symbol. Yep. And it's like, okay, you're either going to accept this or not, but they're going to make this a part of the plot where he is just irresistible to women. The problem I have with that is to use that family guy line, it insisted upon itself. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. They didn't really introduce James Bond as really clever or charming for an older gentleman. He was definitely the tall, dark, handsome. I got it. But where like every woman who saw him fawning over him. That's a plot point. Like, yeah, yeah. a lot Jason, of women with daddy issues in there. I guess. <laughs> Jason and I recently covered on action film face off. First of all, he fought a bear. Uh, no, actually, he did not fight a bear. <laughs> okay. But we talked about Clint Eastwood in Magnum Force, and it was the same thing. It was a very self-serving script. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it was, it was Clint Eastwood in his prime. So every woman in the movie wants Clint Eastwood, you know, it, it's kind of funny. And they did the same thing. It never said ever again. It's like, we got to sell Connery as the sexy guy. And you know what? Another break in. Meow, 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 meow. Question for you guys. <laughs> I personally think he's better looking in this movie than he was in Diamonds, his last Eon film. And I want your opinions on it. And I put it on a Twitter poll on it. And I'll reveal the results of that when I get your inputs. Pat, better looking Connery. Diamonds are here. I do think he looks pretty good here. So yeah. I'm not having seen him in a long time. I do think he must have gotten shape or something. I guess I'll say here. Delvin? I agree. Uh, never say never uh, would be the one. He did look just a little bit. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he's tired of the role. Maybe he had partied too much. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I'll let you weigh in, even though you're not a rookie. I agree with the, well, they're no longer rookies with their, with our newest agents. I don't know. Maybe it's because it looked like he was having more fun yeah. in this one. But a uh, twinkle in his eye. We'll spring yeah. his step. And I think Delvin's right. I think he may have got himself in a little better shape for it, prepped for it a little bit more. Oh, I'll tell you, when I saw him like navigating those steps up and down, it was like, well, man, that's nice. <laughs> 
He's moving. He's moving, man. That's good for him. Well, we got a lot of responses on the Twitter poll. A lot of responses. And it ended up being 55% people thought he looked better and never seen ever again to 45 and diamonds. So close vote. Relative. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that was my break in. Back to the show. Jason, take control. Uh, let's go with Delvin. Give me another high or low. Anything that sparked your interest in here? We can talk about the villain. We haven't talked about Maximilian Largo at all. Right? Ooh. I thought that was Don Zuderman. Yeah, Don Zuderman played. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, James Bond. <laughs> You're early for lunch. <laughs> good villain. I wouldn't say great, but definitely good because he, he hit on some notes really with Kim Basinger where I was just like, oh, yeah. You can tell that uh, she didn't messed up with this relationship because he just came across as mad. Simply mm-hmm. mad. And that game, the domination game, that on the surface looked pretty fun until that pain element was added. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why would, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? That's crazy. <laughs> looked- why did you need to strap these to your testicles? <laughs> uh, what? what? <laughs> I don't play this game, man. Maybe like he was like saying, got this cool electronic game, and then he saw Operation, like, zzz, like ooh, <laughs> oh, brainstorm. Let's idea. Credible villain. Went out a little weak, though, but that was kind of due to the nature of the water scene. But overall, I did like seeing him as the villain. He played a pretty uh, diabolical role. So props to him for that. Pat, do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think I like this Largo, the character, the guy that played him, played him very well. Very creepy kind of guy. It's one of the things that makes me like this one a little better than Thunderball. I think this Largo is better than Thunderball's Largo. Thunderball's Largo's got that eye patch, which goes a long way. Uh But as far as the performance and me buying into his madness and all that, I think uh, Brandauer is the king. Yeah, I liked him. I thought he was very convincing. You like those dance scenes? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) I like those too. I'll tell you one thing. I did like, you know, looking at the Bond girl, Vicky Vale. I liked her. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Funny story. Think Eon approached her to be a Bond girl and she passed. I may be wrong about that, but I think at the very least, her original shot at this movie, she passed on and then changed her mind because she didn't want to be a Bond girl because it's such a stereotyped thing. Mm -hmm. But she finally agreed to it just because she was like, well, at least they'll give me mass exposure. And apparently that was a good chess move on her part because I'm pretty sure if she hadn't done this, she probably wouldn't have got Vicky Vale. Sure. Yeah, she actually got uh, nominated for some awards for this performance. I did not know that. Is it best nipples? (laughs) 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 She did have some. (laughs) You could (laughs) with those bad boys. (laughs) We're going to have to edit that. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Give me a war for best (laughs) <laughs> there are a whole section of dialogue that I missed because I was just like, look at them nipples. <laughs> I don't know what the plot is. I have no idea. That's what I was wondering. Did I miss something? Why did I go from the, from him being in the Did you notice the, uh, like when he forces that kiss on her there before like that big line of spit? The like spit yeah. That guy committed to that. Yeah. That, that sealed scene. the deal how crazy he was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he went all in on that kiss. Yeah, that was gross. Ooh, you nasty. <laughs> 
That kid's was sloppy. <laughs> Just his mannerisms were very, very cool. Even when he was getting shocked in the game, mm-hmm. like he just refused to let go. And then when he does, like blowing on his hands like they're nothing. I did like that line, though. That's one of my favorite lines when he was like, do you lose as gracefully as you win? And Bond's like, I don't know. I've never lost. <laughs> That's a great line. Let's talk about underwater shark scene. Pat, what did you think of the underwater shark scene? Me. Just a man? Yeah, man. Yeah. A man? Shark tag? You didn't like shark tag? <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I just always wonder, like, she put that thing on them, and then you could see the sharks had, like, something on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, who took the time to put those things on the shark? Yeah. shark? <laughs> and what exactly does it do? Yeah. I've always... Kills James Bond, man. Oh, well, who else yeah. have they used it on? <laughs> To go, yeah. yeah, this works. <laughs> We're just it wait seemed for like right an elaborate it. way for yeah. well, you her know, to kill James Bond. There was no countdown, Jerry. They tested out on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'll be dead in five. <laughs> okay. Speaking about water, I had another question. Go yeah. for it. How does Bond lose his shirt and his jacket when they does the horse jump into the water? He comes up and he's got a shirt off. I thought the same thing. You know, I'm like, I, what the? I've, I've watched this movie like a million times and I caught that. He jumps with a jacket and a shirt on, right? And why does Vicky Vale still have her shirt on yeah. there? <laughs> exactly. Now, now we're calling her Vicky Vale. <laughs> I'm like, how does that happen? And where'd the horse go? They, they showed did. the horse swim away. They did they show did. the horse. Did yeah. they? Okay, I must have missed that. They did. I must have missed that because I was like, shocking. Like, where's his shirt? I didn't know horses could swim. I didn't know they could fly. Especially going from that. Like, like man, dude, I mean, come on. You could have just jumped off the horse. You didn't have to like, let the horse go like that. A little bit of film history there because of that scene there were people that complained about the cruelty to the the horse horse, and that's what started the thing at the end of the trailer that says like no no animals were harmed during the filming of this movie Mm. that's because of that scene from never saying ever again Hmm. interesting all right guys I'm sensing a little letdown after the Craigs here, man. I no love for Sean. Like Jason and no I are the love. only ones excited. I about know. We're the only- <laughs> What's I'm- wrong with you, laddies? <laughs> you like the girly man, <laughs> Daniel Craigs? <laughs> oh, who says it's my first time? <laughs> I forgot, Mr. Connery. Like on a one to ten scale, what what do you rate Daniel Craig? A four. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I forgot. Thank you. you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a letdown. It's what if James Bond were not a franchise, but instead he were a evening movie on ABC in the 80s? Yeah. (laughs) That's what this movie was. Like a made-for-TV movie? Is that what? Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. You did not liking this. I could tell by his face. (laughs) You didn't get to see the walk. The theme music wasn't the same. I didn't get the effect. Those were all things they couldn't use. <laughs> I know. But Wait, but you don't get those in the new Daniel Craig's either. So you get some so- of it, and you get the, you get effects. So while they stripped it, they never completely deviated from everything James Bond. And while maybe they couldn't use it, Jared, that's kind of the problem because all of that is James Bond. 
So it was like you watching Spider-Man, a Spider-Man movie, and he had a costume that didn't have the webs on it, like for the whole movie. It was like, this is me. This is Spider-Man. It's like, <laughs> this is like, it's like a watered down James Bond. Yeah, that was the thing for me. Like all the Roger Moore movies, any literally any of the other movies had the same effects, had the same TLC that you expect out of the Bond movies and the franchise. And that's the franchise that I have wrote. It, you know, you get your creature comfort. You get your milk and cookies and you're cuddling and, 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 and it's nice and warm and familiar. And this wasn't quite that. So you're saying like it's 1983 and is like Transformers and Never Say Never Again is like GoBots. Yeah, I am. Uh, okay. Well, what about the motorcycle scene? You guys didn't like that motorcycle chase? I thought that motorcycle chase was right up. Help me out, Jared. Talk some sense into these things. <laughs> these, these, you f- Now, you're on to something there, Jason. I find it shocking, shocking that we've had 24 Eon films and we've never had a Q-based motorcycle. But this movie, I think that's one of the standout things. Let me just run it down. Q-based motorcycle, Bernie Casey, Felix Leiter, Connery looking good at that age, doing believable action at that age. Great Um, villain. Very good villain. Beautiful Bond girl. There's a, I, there's a lot going for it. The softcore porn music they play throughout the film. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I never seen you go down the stairs. <laughs> uh, so you guys didn't even get a little thrill from the motorcycle chase, huh? The motorcycle chase was fine. It was, it was good. Now, of course, the <laughs> the setup to it when he ran and put on his the helmet and everything and went to get the motorcycle. If it were really like that car would have been gone. <laughs> <laughs> And to unlock it and all that. I mean, like you're trying to fool with those straps to get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cars like, see you later, Ron. He's like, oh no, hold one second. <laughs> but but remember, I have safety jacket in my helmet. Safety first. <laughs> remember, though, she was baiting him. She wanted him to follow her because she Good got him into the into the tunnel. Just idling down there. <laughs> yeah, they put him in the back of that semi, and they're like, "Well, we've got him now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah What's okay. going to happen here? <laughs> when they were herding him in there, and they like the guy had the gun and yeah, shot. Come him on, at, you couldn't have just whacked him. Tire. Shoot the tire of the motorcycle. He doesn't get to do that cool stunt. Or, or like, whack shoot, his head. Or shoot him. There's no really point. Why? Why are you just? <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Phantom of Blush would be, but I wanted it. No, we're done. No, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> We're done here. We've got a little nuclear missile thing going on. (laughs) We need to resolve. That's why you're number 12. (laughs) Why there's 11 people above you. (laughs) But she could kill people by tossing a snake into a car. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I probably would have wrecked too. (laughs) Jack Patachi lost his (laughs) shit. Rolling out of the car, <laughs> and then she gets retrieves the snake yeah. and mm-hmm. blows him up with a bomb. She had the car the whole time. I'm like, what's the point of the snake? You had a bomb in the car. Well, didn't she put? She put. No, the she bomb. placed the bomb. She placed okay. the bomb after he wrecked. But she could have done that before. Why did she put it before? I have a radio controlled bomb, but I want to involve my. She could have just told him to hold on to it for her. He was already dead, wasn't he? Didn't she check his pulse and like? I he don't was remember. Did I, I mean? Know. I would have just walked away. He wanted to get rid of the evidence. 
Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I was going to say of the golden eye, but no, it was the blue eye. <laughs> well, I mean, they have to figure out. Now we're getting deep into the plot here, but I mean, they had to know that Patachi was the one who was the insider that stole the bombs, right? They would have known he had access and now he's mysteriously turns up dead. What evidence is there left? I mean, if he's dead, he can't really say anything. Yeah. I don't know. Tales. Yeah. I just thought that the bomb would have left a clue instead of mm. leaving well enough alone and just walking away and leaving a mystery. It had been some Sherlock Holmes motherfucker. It was like, somebody threw a snake into this car. <laughs> <laughs> Caused him to lose his shit. <laughs> through this wall. <laughs> yeah. Promote that guy. That's all I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Have we killed this thing? Have we, we have. I there's, mean, there's only one other thing that we, we got to add. Okay, go for it. Mr. Bean! Bean. (laughs) Oh, you did like something. Okay. Okay. I liked something before this. (laughs) It's for your eyes only all over again. (laughs) Yeah, he was good. I think that was his first role. First his name was Small Fawcett. Uh-huh. That sounds like a play on words, was it? I don't know. For the longest time, I thought his name was Smallfoot. Me too. I wrote down mm. Smallfoot. So when I heard Small Fawcett, I was like, oh. It's what it said in the credits. Small yeah. Fawcett. I saw that too. And I was like, oh, that was Smallfoot. Uh-huh. Nigel Smallfoot. He was a good little comedic relief there. He know. was. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond. <laughs> I recently took a trip to the Bahamas where I visited all those little filming locations. So that was fun. But that's cool. Any uh, any big takeaways? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> they cool. They all right. They're all pretty accessible. If you look carefully at the film, you'll see the cruise ships in the background a lot. I mean, that's that's still to this day where the cruise ships park. Hmm. Where you go in there. So cool. But see yeah, the flying saucer. Nah, I did not see the disco volante or the <laughs> AKA the flying saucer. Yeah. But yeah, I guess Jason and I just are more excited. We'll find out, I suppose, in the scoring rounds. But I'm not looking good for Sean. He's pacing around behind me with a mad look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, agents. Now. Real quick, let's have our veteran co-host, Agent Jason, weigh in on this one. I bet he's got some bond bombs that he's going to untuck and reveal to us. Oh, let's whip these bond bombs out. Let them breathe. <clears throat> bond bomb number one. George Lazenby was considered for the role, but was dropped from consideration when Connery agreed. <laughs> You're damn right. What <laughs> it the best, you got the best. <laughs> Number two, a young Steven Seagal was the martial arts instructor for this movie, and he broke Sean Connery's wrist during training. That's a damn lie. (laughs) I was pimp slapping him and knocked him out, and I sprained my wrist. That's all. That's all. And number three, the title was the result of a conversation Connery had with his wife. After Diamonds Are Forever, Connery vowed to her that he would never play James Bond again. After he agreed to this film, she chided him to never say never again. Which makes me wonder, because that title came at the end of the movie, what would they have called it otherwise? Oops, pal, surprise. Oh. Oh. Balls of Thunder. (laughs) Balls of Thunder. They actually did have another title for it. It's going to bug me. They had another title for it, and some famous, saucer. famous person was involved in writing it. Uh, Lynn Dayton, the famous spy novelist, was had oh, written I didn't know that. one, and it was called... Uh, I'm not going to remember. It was a fairly generic title, though. All right. Oh, it's going to bug me. Pat, this film was directed by Irving Kirshner. 
what film did he direct right before this one that you'd be familiar with? Empire Strikes Back. Correct. Yes. Well that's, done, sir. That's my, I put myself in the time frame. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Same director. <laughs> that wasn't right. really a it's a bonus point for you in this. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Which, here we go. And with those 007 trivia nuggets safely tucked back away, it's time to have our rookie agents. Not for much longer. Score this film. Got the answer, by the way. The movie that Lynn Dayton wrote was called Warhead. Hmm. Warhead. Warhead. Isn't that that candy? <laughs> yeah. All right, fellas. One last time, at least until Bond 25, it's time to take out these martini glasses. Each of you has seven. For those listening, we rate these on a score of one to seven. Seven means that they loved it. It shook their martini. Six means it was excellent. Five, it was very good. Four is good. Three is just okay. Two is not so bueno. And number one is you hated it. It stirred your martini. Mm, that's gross. So let's start it off with Delvin this time. How many martinis are you going to give this one? I have it through, lad. Think it through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, since you're here, Mr. Connor, it's only fitting to say it's a four. <laughs> you're a four. You're a four. Everybody here is a four except me. I have it right at the middle. I didn't mind it. I did think it went a little bit long at two hours plus and mm-hmm. it felt like two hours plus. With a missing uh, scene. <laughs> with a missing scene. It, Probably it, had to cut the scene out. Yeah, and it still felt just a little bit long, but it wasn't bad. You two are absolutely right in that there were some very good moments. I don't want to detract from that. To me, at least the missile part of it was completely implausible, but it didn't take me out of the movie where I was just sitting there just grousing the whole time. Like, I'm stupid. That's <laughs> <laughs> the original plot from Thunderball, was that more plausible to you where they stole the whole plane and landed it in the ocean? Well, I mean, that was incredulous, if you get what I'm saying. Okay. You know, that was incredulous, not just flat out wrong, if you get what I'm saying. I can get it or understand it if they do a little bit of sci-fi or make-believe uh-huh. but to make a... a False eye that you put a contact over and say, the president of the United States is a single point of contact for nuclear weapons. No, he's not. No, (laughs) (laughs) he he just ain't. So some good points. A few things I thought that were not so good, but overall, right in the middle, four out of seven. All right, fair enough. So we got four martinis from Delvin. Pat, it's up to you. How many are you going to give this one, sir? I'm going to agree with Delvin on this one. It's middle of the road as well for me. You're four. <laughs> what really does it for me is Largo, his character. Oh, uh, you like Largo? Okay. Yeah. I like okay. I like the actor, and I think he played it well. And he's really smooth. Like, yeah, look, go ahead, you're late for lunch, and I'll make you a drink, and go do this, go do that. He was uh, just like a smooth, smooth criminal. Yeah. Oh, okay. it, it was what now? He said smooth criminal, so I did the leaning. Yeah. Oh, okay. But well, he was looking for smooth. And he was. <laughs> all right. So we got fours from both Pat and Delvin. So, gents, since we're going all off script and crazy and everything, where would you put this? Two questions. Where would you rate it? And about where would this fall if you've already rated your movies? Where does this fall in your rankings? Okay. So I'll go first. In all of the movies, none of them will go below a three. This one, I would land it 
and there's a lot of nostalgia points, I would land it at a five. Okay. I mean, I couldn't say like where, you know, if I had to tuck this into the 24 Bond films we scored so far, I still have a lot of thinking to do on that one. So I'm going to have to weasel out of that and pass the analysis over to Jared. Well, uh, normally I wouldn't let you weasel out of it, but it is in your name. So <laughs> <laughs> the weasel skull ability. Okay. I yeah. would give it a five, just like Jason. And I do say there's some nostalgia again. I'm seven. The first Bond movie I saw on the big screen was Octopussy that summer, later on that fall. This was the first time I ever got to go to a late show. Jason mm. and I's aunt and uncle and cousin came to visit, and they were like, we're going to see the new Bond movie. And I was seven years old. I got to go to the nine o'clock movie. Big time. High time. Mm. So I was big on that. So definitely nostalgia involved. And I can tell you right now, looking at my list, I already said I liked it better than Thunderball. And I no. think I have Thunderball at 13. So I would say 13. 12. Oh, my God. Okay. Which is 12, It's a right 24. <laughs> I'd say it's a 12 right in the middle of my pack, and I think that's pretty accurate with how I feel about it. Okay. That's it. Right. Fair enough. And with that, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for the last time. And now it's time to crown this episode's Double O Award winner. Oh, there will be some trivia on the graduation episode. There's going to be a lot of trivia on the graduation episode for the ultimate bragging rights, but let's just focus on Never Say Never Again. Delvin, you are our current champion. And you will get to go first. Before we do that, we're going to take our quick break to thank our Patreon sponsors. Take it away, Van Allen Plexico. White Rocket Entertainment. All the shows we do here at the White Rocket Entertainment Network are presented to you commercial-free purely because we have such great folks who keep us on the air covering all of our expenses from equipment to podcast and web hosting, URLs, and everything else. Our current patrons include Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, along with Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, Gary Grant, Wynn Carroll, Brian Gray, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Atsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, AU Falling Up, Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Robert J. Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kanji and Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrick, William Glenn Matthews, and then there's Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Kenoy, Don Ziederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vijakana, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and C.T. Wayne. We're almost to the end because finally we have Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrick, Stephen Wyatt, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle, Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, as well as Chris Brent Rumble, and our occasional donors such as Surfer Chickify and our great anonymous donors. We thank you all. We appreciate it. We couldn't do these shows without you. All 
right, that's our list. And we appreciate each and every one of you. And if you'd like to help us rid the world of all free radicals, you too can help sponsor the show at patreon.com. Just search the keyword Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O. You can give as little as a dollar a month to help keep Agent Jason dancing with Domino. And like those other folks whose names you just heard, you'll get a shout out on every episode of all the White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a patron, you'll also get bonus material, behind the scenes information on all White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, comic books, and more. Jason. All right. Well, let's find out who this mission's trivia double O award winner is going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until the next episode. Agent Jared and I have each prepared three questions for a total of six. We'll take turns asking each of the contestants a question. You get it right, that's one point. You get it wrong, and your opponent has an opportunity for a steal. Most points get you the coveted double O award, a rocket pen, an all-you-can-eat dandelion salad buffet at Shrublands. And that's while supplies last not available in all areas. So let's start this segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. All right, Delvin, first or second? You know the deal. Second? Yes, sir. I'll go first. (laughs) I'd like to go first. That's a good thing. That must be why you keep losing. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. You never say never, Delvin. Never! Who's going to be your uh, your sponsor for this one last trivia episode? Who are you asking? You? I'm asking you. Oh, me? <laughs> you know the rules. 24 are. episodes. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go with you since you gave me the answers. Good choice, Pat. So here we go. Jack Patachi had his eye replaced to mimic whose eye? Oh, man. If I could only remember, there's something about this one. It's just no way this would ever happen, but. <laughs> impossible. It's impossible. Impossible. I would say the President of the United States. I'd say you were correct. Ah! All right, Delvin. Here's your easy round question. Q, a.k.a. Algernon, provided Bond with three items to help him in the field. Give me two of the three. A pin and uh, the laser watch. Very good. What was the third one? Just for fun. It was much bigger than a pin or a laser watch. Very good. Pin and the laser watch. Well done. All right. We're going to the medium round now. Pat, here's your question. What specter number is Phantom of Blush? Well, she's not good enough to be a two, so I'm going to say she's a 12. (laughs) You are correct, Pat. 12 is the right answer. Okay, Delvin, medium round. Largo demos his video game to 007 by using France as the battleground, and they ultimately play for the whole world. Name one of the two countries that they play for between the demo round and the whole world. Okay, Spain. Correct. All right, we're going into the hard round, Pat. Here's your question. Ooh, this is a men from the boys question. What's the safety deposit box number that leads to the Spectre meeting room? a tough one. Twice the hard round. That's a pat question. That's I know. I, 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 I wonder if you wrote that down already. <laughs> oh, boy. It was cool. That was cool, though. I'd just say 007. I don't know. We'll see if Listen, Delvin got it. Men or the boys, Delvin. Well, I mean, either you're a man or you're a boy. It's one or the other. All right? Mm-hmm. The box number was 274. Oh, He's all man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. With that, you officially won, but you can just rub salt in it with your last question if you'd what, like. What, to. what if he gets this one wrong, though? Oh, and then, then Pat steals it. Then we got ourselves a ball game. That's uh-huh. true. All right, Delvin. What was the code name for Spectre's mission to steal the nukes? 
The Tears of Allah. I guess Correct. that feels it. Yep. Oh, uh, this was a close one, though. That was a close one. That's right. Pat, you fought well this time. but Yeah, I did pretty good. Delvin's I'm proud of myself. I think it has won him the day. It did. That's okay. Pat, I'll reach you. <laughs> I'll teach you. Well, congratulations to Delvin. Be sure to do the right and proper thing and lord this victory over Pat. So you guys meet in your final graduation episode for the gigantic trivia round to determine the ultimate champion. You want it. You keep it, old buddy. I think I let Delvin win that one too. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Is this going to be a team-up round where they go in like two double O styles or? Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) This is all all right. This is for the ultimate bragging rights. There will be about 24 to 25 questions apiece. God. There'll be a question on every movie for each of you. Oh, it'll be fun times. Now it's time for our final segment of the show entitled Return Fire. During Return Fire, our rookie agents Pat and Delva get to toss Jason and I a trivia question they brought with them and attempt to stump the double O experts. Let's get going with Return Fire. This never happened to the other fellow. Fire away, Delvin. In the domination game. Or a domination game. What was the value of the entire world? You know, Delvin, the world is not enough. That's That's a good answer, Pat. $267,000. I think it was a little higher. I thought it was, I want to say $320,000. Oh, Jared, you're so close. (laughs) $420,000. $267,000, Jason, was the overall money that Bond won. The value of the world was three hundred twenty-five. Oh, it was five. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. motherless goat. <laughs> oh man, I thought oh, okay. Well, I thought well, if you won the whole world, then the world yeah. wasn't in worth. But I forgot because they had to deduct the one. Yeah, that you lost. the rest, oh, of, the right, rest right. of the world. Dang. Oh, okay, oh, five G's right. man. Good job, DJ Cristados, Agent Cristados. When Bond was at the Shrublands, he went to go work out. Mm-hmm. He was lifting the weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the weights that when they show him doing the, the presses or whatever he was doing, there was one that was red and was on the floor. What was it? Well, it was kilograms. Yeah. How many kilograms was it? That's not a bad one. That's, that's, this is deep in the details. It is deep in the details. No one wanted to ask me about Swadley's 63rd tactical. I almost did. <laughs> I almost did. No one want to ask about W-80 nukes? I wrote that. almost did, too. Nobody wants to know what was in the case of, of, with beluga caviar, quail's eggs, vodka, and foie gras. You're sticking me with this day of kilograms? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 15. 20. 25. Oh, if we took more five and you're That's 20. You bastards get for not helping me out on those. Uh, man, I'm there we, with my Uzi right there. <laughs> <laughs> man, we turned it up on the final mission, Jason. Oh man, we did. We did. Those are good questions, though, man. <laughs> yeah, paying attention. <sighs> Nicely done, guys. Okay, Agent Jared, what do we have? In the eyes only mailbag this week. What? No small talk. No chit chat. We got a little of this. We got a little of that. 
As a reminder to the audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us questions, comments, trivia challenges, anything you like to OHMSpod at Outlook.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter, which is at OHMSpod. We highly encourage you to do audio recordings and email them to OHMSpod at Outlook.com. And we've got a few tonight. Before we get to those, though, I'd like to remind you, if you are an iTunes listener, we would love your feedback so please just go ahead and click on that and give us the sparkling five stars if you won't mind or if you had some other star amount in mind i guess we'll take it i guess we'll take it but we really just like to hear your feedback and more feedback means more exposure and it means more of the bond family jumping on board with us and that's what we want we want to continue the conversation we're very proud of the family we've grown over the last 24 five episodes now and we'd like to continue to grow so please leave us feedback if you can guys guess who's back well we're through the craigs it's got to be ruth and darren Darren? yes our very own research and development rad also stands for ruth and darren and their rad adventures podcast network we can't recommend them enough for trekker talk warlord worlds Sensational sluice. Got a bunch of good stuff over there at Rad Network. But it's been a while since we heard from them. We haven't heard from them since the Brazen era. So let's find out what they sent us. Beard is back. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Of the Rad Adventures Network. We're with Research and Development Q Branch, and we're here to share our thoughts about Never Say Never Again. 1983 was a big year for James Bond with the release of two different movies. Octopussy, with Roger Moore in his sixth appearance, was released earlier in the year, and Sean Connery's return in his seventh appearance as 007 in Never Say Never Again was released later in the year. Never Say Never Again was possible because of the legal battle related to the book Thunderball. While the novel was written by Ian Fleming in the early 1960s, It was based on a screenplay he developed earlier with Kevin McClory and Jack Whittingham, but he didn't give either of them credit in the publication of the book. The legal settlement gave Eon Productions the rights to adapt Thunderball into a movie in 1965, while giving Kevin McClory ownership of some key components of the story and the right to make subsequent adaptations of the book after a period of time. So, Never Say Never Again is a quasi-remake of Thunderball that manages to feel mostly new and different from the earlier film. It was a tricky maneuver for the production team because they had to follow the basic plot of the original story since Kevin McClory's rights only gave him permission to remake Thunderball, but not to make an original 007 story. Therefore, several key plot points and characters are retained, but the production managed to weave several original elements into that basic story. I particularly like that the production took Sean Connery's age into consideration and made the story about a spy at retirement age. It adds lots of depth to the movie and makes it feel like a natural ending as we've watched James Bond age through more than 20 years of adventures. In fact, when we rewatch 007 movies in sequence, we usually watch this film after A View to a Kill. That way, Dr. No and Never Say Never Again are the bookends to begin and end the original James Bond era from his early career to his retirement. The production chose director Irvin Kirshner, who was at a high point in his career after directing the hugely successful Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. And besides starring in the film, Sean Connery was heavily involved with the -the behind-the-scenes production of the movie, too. The excellent guest cast features Edward Fox as a perfect choice for the new M. Audiences already knew him from the espionage classic The Day of the Jackal, where he played the cunning assassin in one of our favorite films. Barbara Carrera makes a great villain as Fatima Blush. I like the way she transitions from kind to cruel when taking care of Jack Pataki. And I like that some of her outfits make her look a bit like a pirate, which is very appropriate. 
Kim Basinger is the manipulated domino, seen here a few years before she would play Vicki Vale in Tim Burton's Batman. And Rowan Atkinson, who is a favorite actor of ours, appears as Bond's inept contact, Nigel Smallfawcett. Rowan Atkinson is very talented and able to play a wide range of roles, from the sharp wit of Black Adder, to the silent physical comedy of Mr. Bean, to the silly antics of spy Johnny English, to the brilliant detective Inspector Maygray. It's always a treat to see him. We were lucky to see Rowan Atkinson in a stage play in London and waited outside the theater afterwards to get his autograph. That was so much fun. Our friend Paul from Belfast, who visits Bond locations when he travels, has visited the part of the Bahamas used in this movie and found the building where Bond and Small Fawcett talk. Paul has photos of himself hiding behind the columns, just like the scenes of Rowan Atkinson in the movie. Never Say Never Again was a critical and financial success, setting an opening weekend record for a James Bond film at the time. Audiences were eager to see Sean Connery return to the role, and Connery's performance was singled out for praise by critics. We love the smooth and casual way he delivers so many of his lines. However, surprisingly, during the course of its full run in theaters, it fell slightly short of the total box office amount earned by Octopussy. That is generally attributed to the Roger Moore movie being released in the more lucrative summer months, while Never Say Never Again was released in the fall when cinema attendance is generally lower. In a bit of trivia, it was Sean Connery's wife who thought of the title for the movie because she remembered his infamous statement in the early 1970s that he would never play James Bond again. She is given credit in the end title sequence. There was an attempt to remake Thunderball for a third time in the late 1990s with Timothy Dalton returning to the role of James Bond, but financing fell through for the project. I'm sure Jared would have been happy to see that. And now it's time for 007 Hits and Misses, when we share our thoughts on two low points and seven high points in the film. This film is filled with many high points, but there are definitely a couple of low points as well. For me, the fight between Bond and the assassin at the Hell Spy is exciting and well choreographed, but having it end with Bond throwing urine at the assassin is a complete letdown and spoils the whole fight. Surely they could have thought of something else. Anything else. And for me, it's the sequence of Bond and Domino during the escape from the Citadel on horseback. For some silly reason, the armed guards don't shoot when they have our heroes in their sights, but do shoot once they've moved too far away. And I've always disliked the scene of the horse leaping over the walls and plunging into the ocean. It seems cruel. Plus, the visual effects are horrible. But now let's move on to this movie's many high points with our top seven hits. Number seven. I like when 007 arrives at Shrevelin's Health Clinic driving a 1937 black Bentley, and the porter makes a comment about it being a classic. It's a nice allegory about Sean Connery's age and his portrayal as James Bond. Number six, I always laugh at James Bond's suitcase for the health spa, where he packs all of the essentials, including beluga caviar, quail's eggs, vodka for his martinis, and foie gras. Number five, I like Fatima Blush's night goggles that she uses to search for Bond at the health spa. It's a nicely directed scene where he can't be seen at first, but the goggles slowly bring him into focus. Number four, Q's line when he sees Bond and says, Good to see you, Mr. Bond. Things have been awfully dull around here. Now that you're on this, I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Number three, the excellent motorcycle chase through the small town of Menton on the border of France and Italy includes an exciting pursuit down the winding steps of Saint-Michel. Number two, the scene of James Bond shooting Fatima Blush with the explosive dart. Barbara Carrera does a great job of looking shocked when she realizes she's been shot. Then her expression turns to amusement when the dart does little injury. But just as she starts to laugh, it explodes, killing her and surprising 007. 
And number one is Sean Connery himself, who makes the most of his return to James Bond. He's suave one moment and menacing the next, and all while delivering some truly funny lines throughout the movie. He is terrific in the role, and I like that it all ends with Sean Connery winking at the camera as he says, never again. Thank you once again to our friends Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Pat for letting us share our thoughts. Remember, we're RAD, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. And research and development. There we have it, boys. Ruth and Darren back again. Very welcome addition to things. I would like to say something about the horse. (laughs) Now, Ruth, I hear what you're saying. You're a lovely lass. Darren, your beard's on point. But you're dead wrong here. You're dead wrong. Because that horse, unlike Roger Moore, did some stunts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, he's a four. (laughs) I actually want to address one thing. I think it was Ruth who said that they didn't like that the guys didn't shoot at James and Domino when they were on the horse but they shoot after they get farther away. And I paid attention to that scene, very close attention upon this last viewing. And I noticed that I think what happened was one of the Arabic dudes bought her yes. and he's keeping them from shooting at her. Yeah. He, he actually want- stopped the guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, and that's why they don't shoot him. They're trying to just kind of physically overpower them so they can get Domino. They don't care what happens to James. Yeah. But Domino is like their property now. He's getting we'll- shot. He's getting yeah. shot. <laughs> so once they hit the water, now they're separated and they can clearly shoot at him without hitting her. And I think that's what's happening. Hmm. I can accept that. Also, a Timothy Dalton Thunderball movie from 1990s. I want it, and I want it now. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) I didn't know that, man. That was great. And I am proud of us, guys. We hit almost every trivia fact they mentioned in there during our show today. I was going to say, you could just cut their explanation of the Kevin McClory thing. (laughs) Put it right over my rambling mess. (laughs) They obviously worked that out. They did. It was so good to hear from Ruth and Darren again. It was. It was, man. It's great to have them back. I left the rays out in South Africa. Okay. Let's head on down to South Africa and check in with Agent R, Matt Robenheimer. See what he sent us. You may get to talk about Roger Moore. (laughs) It's always good. Hello, rookie agents. It's Agent R here. And I'm here to talk about the unofficial Bond movie, Never Say Never Again. My thoughts about this film can be summed up very briefly. I don't like it. I think it's a really forgettable movie. I think the one thing it proves is that there's more to Bond than just the actor. That a Bond movie is a whole package and and Eon Productions certainly knew how to deliver that package. Connery himself isn't bad, but as a whole the film falls flat. And I won't go through all the things that I dislike in the film because frankly it's a long list. But rather I'll try to identify a couple of things that I find halfway decent in the movie. The first one of these is Max von Sydow as Blofeld. In matters of death, Spectre is strictly impartial. In general, I've not been a huge fan of the on-screen portrayals of Blofeld in the official James Bond series. I think Telly Savalas is pretty good, but most of the other Blofelds whose faces are actually seen on screen, I don't particularly care for. The one Blofeld performance I do like in the official series is the one from From Russia with Love and Thunderball. And with his Scandinavian accent, Max von Sydow kind of reminds me of that portrayal of the character. Unfortunately, he's not on screen very long in Never Say Never Again. But he's a great actor, and I think he kind of looks the part a lot more than somebody like uh, Charles Gray or even uh, Donald Pleasance. 
One of the sequences that I enjoy in the film is the one where the nuclear missiles are stolen. The visual effects in this sequence are actually really not very good at all, but for some reason I enjoy it. The camera flying through the air at high speed following the missiles looks pretty cool. And it's the one bit of the film that, at least for me, feels a bit like a Bond movie. Even though I'm sure the official series would have had slightly better visual effects. Another fun little moment in the film is the scene where Bond deals with the security guard at Largo's party by pretending that he's given him a bomb that has to be held perfectly still. This bomb has a tiny gyroscope inside. Any lateral movement on your part, and you could be served in an egg cup. And this poor man holds this little metal case perfectly still for however long Bond is in that party, and when he comes back, Bond casually grabs it from him and the guy faints. Thank you very much. That bit actually makes me laugh and I kind of enjoy it. And speaking of laughing, one of my all-time favorite comic actors has a little cameo in this film. Uh, it's not his best work by any means, but I do enjoy Rowan Atkinson's little part in the film. Oh yes, he's charming. I mean, foreign, but charming nonetheless. As I said, it's not Atkinson at his best, but in a film that's as low on highlights as this one is for me, I'll take that little cameo. And that's about it from me. Not a lot in this film that I really get excited about. Some people find Thunderball a boring film. Well, this remake of Thunderball is, for me, the ultimate boring James Bond movie. I've only ever actually managed to sit through the film in one sitting once. I've tried to rewatch it on a few occasions, but it's really only the first half of the film that has any entertaining scenes uh, for me. By the time we get into the second half, I really start to lose interest pretty quickly. Of all the Bond films that have been made, official and unofficial, Never Say Never Again is by far my least favourite. Even though the 1967 version of Casino Royale is a bit of a mess, there's a lot in that film that I actually enjoy watching, and I've rewatched it many times over the years. I'm going to be interested to hear what the rookie agents have to say about this film. Who knows, they may even like it. So that's all from me, Agent R. Until next time, goodbye for now. Well, guys, Agent R wanted to just quick tip of the cap because he talked about it over on our Twitter and he's like, I'm not going to send anything in because I don't have anything good to say about this movie. And I challenged him to find, I was like, well, send me a list of things that you do like about it. There's got to be a couple of things. And he did that. So he did. Credit, yeah. Credit yeah. to him. There's this Tupac song that came out that was called Hit Em Up. And it was his ultimate diss song about, I believe it was against Biggie Smalls and the crew Biggie Smalls ran with called Junior Mafia and everything. And it was very uh, expletive laden. So I will not be you know, saying any lyrics from it. But at the end, he just drops any pretense of talking about rap and just goes on this long rant about <laughs> F this, F that, <laughs> F the other, <laughs> F all them two. That, that was, that's what Matt did. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he was honest about it and he did give some good points too so i i did like the listen it was good well matt <laughs> oh boy. i'm not gonna go off on you lad i'm not gonna say you're four you're a damn three <laughs> <laughs> I think how dare you sir I, how I, dare you that's my magnum opus i think that sean's not in a good Sean, now not just, you know, come on, man. It's like everybody's entitled to their own. Oh, no. Oh, no. No one's entitled to their opinion. This is Zodos, my magnum opus. We should move on.
Yeah, I think maybe we better. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I wonder how old Matt is. Because, you know, you and I saw this. You were seven. I was 12. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that, I mean, and that's why we do this rookie agents thing. And, and just listening to Pat and Delvin, I think they were largely in line with what Matt had to say. So, yeah. I kind of in the middle of the road. I think Matt really, really dislikes it. I didn't get that much of a vibe from the rookies, I, I think. Like you said, a middle of the rotor, but he's a perfect example. There's plenty of folks that feel that way about it. I, I got a buddy of mine who just can't stand this movie. He just thinks it's utter garbage. And I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, you know? Yeah, there's there's a lot to like here, man. There are a lot of great stunts. You've got the OG Sean Connery. you got a good villain. you got some beautiful Bond women. you got exotic locations. I don't know. I'm with you. I don't get it. You're missing the good music. Yeah, the soundtrack is kind of, yeah. Yeah, Matt spoke to it. It just just wasn't the whole package. Oh, I did have one other thing to say about Agent R's file. I can't believe we did our whole thing without mentioning Max von Sydow as Blofeld. Oh, I know. Oh, no, we did not mention Blofeld. We mentioned Maximilian Largo, but not Blofeld. Yeah, pretty big name actor to play him. And I mean, he doesn't have a ton of screen time, but. What he does have is memorable, or it should have been. All right, fellas, I think we're going to go do a first time send in. What? Here we are in our 25th episode, a little Never Say Never Again bonus mission, and we got a first time sent in from someone I'm going to be calling Agent B Movie. Agent B movie is like, was he waiting all this time? He's like, God, I hope they get to never say never again. He's a big Bond fan. He's on Twitter. He's at B underscore movie underscore cult. He goes by Rob B movie cult. I just shortened that down to Agent B movie. He's got a trivia question for us. Uh Uh-oh. Hello, Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Pat. This is Rob from the B movie cult. I wanted to congratulate Delvin and Pat for nearing the end of your training to become double O agents. As a longtime Bond fan, it was fun listening to your journey and hearing fresh perspectives on the 007 series that weren't tainted by nostalgia. I'm very much looking forward to hearing your opinions on Never Say Never Again. I do have a trivia question I would like to ask about the film. Name three actors from this film that were in other Bond films. Bonus points if you can list what Bond films they were in and who they played. Good luck, and thanks again for entertaining the Bond community with your hilarious podcast. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore movie underscore cult. Bye. All right, that's Agent B movie with his trivia, and that's a tough one, although I have two of the three, I think. Sean Connor is an obvious one. Obvious, yep, mm-hmm. that's one. I just mm. happen to know that the guy who voiced, because the original Largo and Thunderball was dubbed, and the guy who did his dub has a small part in this movie as like an Italian military officer. I heard that somewhere. Interesting, interesting. And that's all I got. Jason, can you help me out on the third one, if I'm even right on the second one? I was wondering, was Max von Sydow in any of the others? Doesn't ring a bell. Hmm, I'm trying to think. That was the name that, for whatever reason, rung is familiar, and I I could not tell you why. I, I don't have anything other than random guess. Now, Max von Sydow's been in a heck of a lot of movies, but I don't think he's been into another Bond. Was Bernard Casey in any other Bond movie? Spies like us. <laughs> <laughs> Not another Bond one, I don't think. Yeah. How about um, uh, Sean Connery? We got him. Oh, we got Sean Connery. I think he's the. I think he's the give me. Oh man, yeah, we'll call it a quit. The only one I'm thinking about is yeah, Sean Connery. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. I think you got us on this one, Agent B movie. So let's go ahead and find out what the answers are. Was it was it Sean Connery? Dang it, Pat. We're pretty sure it was Sean Connery. Yes. All right, here we go. Yes. 
Other than Sean Connery, of course, here are three actors from Never Say Never Again who are also in the official 007 films. Manning Redwood, who played General Miller, also played the annoying American businessman Bob Conley in A View to a Kill. Valerie Leon, who played the lady in the Bahamas who Bond was sleeping with when his hotel room blew up, also played the hotel receptionist in The Spy Who Loved Me. Lastly, Robert Rietti, who played one of the Italian ministers, lent his voice to several characters in the official Bond films, including Tiger Tanaka in You Only Live Twice, Emilio Largo in Thunderball, and Blofeld in For Your Eyes Only. Wow, that's going deep, man. Yeah. Wow, oh, we got one. I yeah. thought we got Connery was like a kid. <laughs> yeah, we thought Connery was a kid, man. I was like, Sean effing Connery. Get out of here. Come on, don't try to play that. I mean. <laughs> That was a great question, though. Man, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Question. You got us, Agent, Agent B. Agent B movie. Cool. Agent B it. movie knows his James Bond stuff, I'm, man. Certainly. And I'm really glad he's having fun listening to it, because that's what yeah. this is all about. It's the fun take of it. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad he, he gets our vibe. Does. You know who else gets our vibe? Agent Voice from San Antonio, Texas. I hope you guys know this song better than I do. God oh, <laughs> bless. No way. Hey y'all, this is your man in Station TX, Agent Voice in lovely San Antonio, Texas. It's about that time again. It's time for What Made You Sing That? What's the line that precedes the following in Never Say Never Again by Laney Hall? I'm going to try to keep this one straightforward because, well, the lyrics are strange and if you're like me, you've never really paid that much attention to the song because it's being played over Sean Connery doing his best Schwarzenegger impression in the movie Commando before he gets stabbed by a captive, which is weird. But anyway, good luck on this one. The line is, I just could be the woman to take you and make you never say never again once again i just could be the woman to take you and make you never say never again all right do you have it we have to come up with the line that comes before that yep i got nothing is it never say never again (laughs) no i'm out lyric jace looks like he's on to (laughs) something to get it bad with a man who says never may have no future but then I just could be the woman to reach you and teach you to never say never again. He cheated his ass off. I cheated. I cheated. I cheated my ass off. I cheated. I cheated. Well, we had to cheat. We're not doing a good night, but we don't even care. It's our last mission. We don't care. Uh, but nobody knows that song. You got us on that one. You got us on that one. Let's go ahead and get his answer. The answer to what precedes... I just could be the woman to take you and make you never say never again is to get mixed up with a man who says never may be big trouble. But then the entire chorus is to get mixed up with a man who says never may be big trouble. But then I just could be the woman to take you and make you never say never again. Never, never say never again. That's a weird one, but if that's not a metaphor for this movie, I don't know what is. And next time is graduation, and I hope you've ordered your cap and gowns, or in this case, it'll be your bow ties and dinner jackets. Catch you next time. See ya. <laughs> well, boys, that was the answer, and yeah, definitely got some work to do in that area. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for some Agent Z, a little bit of Donnie time. Donnie Z, Donnie Z, Donnie Z. Hello, Rookie Agents. This is Don Zuiderman calling from the Netherlands. And you have gone through all the official Eon James Bond films and have now watched Never Say Never Again. I'm sure you've talked about the genesis of this film, so I won't go into details. 
And if you like, there's an excellent book by Robert Sellers, and it's called The Battle for Bond, which describes the whole history in great detail. Oh, do come along, Bond. Now, obviously, since it's basically a remake, there are many similarities between Never Say Never Again and Thunderbolt. Gentlemen, we are faced with the ultimate nightmare, the abduction of nuclear warheads. Two atomic weapons are stolen, the world is held at ransom, there's Spectre, the Bahamas, some sort of jetpack device, there's Felix, Shrublands, a casino scene, underwater battles, plenty of gratuitous sex and violence, domino, and even a very white pussy. But there are also many differences. In Thunderball, there's no pet python, no horse jumping off a castle wall, no tears of Allah, no ballet dancing or tango, Bond doesn't ride a motorcycle nor a bicycle, and most importantly of all, there's no psychedelic computer game that electrocutes the loser. Now, I think it's debatable which of these two films stays closer to the original source material by Fleming, McClory and Whittingham. And it's even debatable which film is better. But that's all a matter of opinion anyway. Personally, I enjoy both very much, but Thunderball remains one of my all-time classics. Well, you can't win them all. Now, my question to you, gentlemen, is... You're given unlimited resources, and you can choose one Bond film to do a modern remake. Which Bond film do you choose? What elements would you like to keep from the original film, and what would you adjust or update? And most importantly, who would you cast? Never, never say never again. Never, never say never again. All right. That's all for now. It's been a real privilege and a pleasure going through these films with you. This is Don Zuiderman, signing out. So we're doing a remake. We're recasting it. I already know my answer. I'm going first. Just yeah. Timothy Dalton, 1990s. We got it. <laughs> well, I would do a remake of The Man with the Golden Gun. I would love to have Timothy Dalton in his prime with a more modern Benicio Del Toro as Scaramanga. But if I have to keep everything modern, I would take my Andrew Lincoln as James Bond versus Benicio Del Toro Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun. Who wants one? I would do a remake of Thunderball, actually. I would keep the element of the underwater battle scene, but with modern effects. To be honest, I'd like to see Daniel Craig. We've never really seen Craig in the scuba suit. I think that would be cool. Why we ain't uh, seen you in the scuba suit, Craig? <laughs> you lying, Craig. We got to lie, Craig. You can't swim and you lie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the teaser trailer with him holding that spear gun, too. And I'm like, yes, yes. I think that would be cool to see. All right. That's from your veteran agents the rookies haven't been through the films quite enough yet to determine which remakes they want so we're gonna move on to the next send-in okay we're going up to canada for our friends from the bond complex never 
Never say never. <laughs> Hello, Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, MI6 Rookie Agents, Jared, Jason, Delvin, Pat. We hope you're doing well. Who are we again? We know who you, we know who this podcast is, but who are we? Um, who, who are you? Uh, I don't know. Could you refresh my memory, you fat bastard? <laughs> We're uh, the Jeans Bond Complex. I'm Edgar. And I'm Matt. We uh, do Fleming, we do films, and everything in between. Uh, this is an interesting little episode that you guys are probably recording. Never say never again. I'm going to do that the entire time we're recording this. Oh, is that so? Well, we'll try to make this a 30-second review in that case. <laughs> it's been a while. I remember when we did our Thunderball book, Thunderball film, our bonus was the Never Say Never Again yeah. film. And um, it's kind of interesting when you take a look at Never Say Never Again. Uh, I've heard weird things like Connery doesn't look good. I've no, always he, felt he does look good. He, he looks, uh, to be fair, I think he looks better than he did. Uh, in diamonds, I think yeah. I find he, he moves better. I think so too. Yeah, he seems and he seems like he's enjoying himself. He seems to be in on the gag yeah. uh, most of the time and never say never again, which is which is pretty cool. And and I think the biggest upgrade from Thunderball is uh, Klaus Brendauer, Maria Klaus Brendauer. Who I, 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 you know there 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 are those there are two different movies. Both you know I love them both, but there are elements that actually I. I find superior, but you know, if you put, if you were to put them in, um, in turn, Thunderball, it, it, Thunderball wouldn't work the same way. Mm. But I think he's more memorable as, as Largo than, yeah. um, I don't remember <laughs> the other guy's name. The dude with the eye patch. The pirate. Adolfo Celli. Adolfo Adolfo Celli. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Adolfo, you know, he's not as, he's visually interesting in Thunderball, but I find the way that uh, Klaus Brandauer plays Largo is a little bit more eccentric, memorable, mm. exciting. Yeah. They sweet like a, money. A je ne sais quoi. A, a sparkle. <laughs> I know there's a twinkle in his eye. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. I, no, he's like I, I was on the wiki for 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 for, the, for this movie because I've been researching this movie a little bit bit because uh, I'm working on a side project of maybe doing my own special edition. Mm, and he's yeah. meant to be, I think, 38. In, what? Yeah, in, really. Yeah, he's he's older than that, but I think his character is meant to be 38. Wow. It's mentioned in, on the wiki, 38 or 39. I'm like, Yeesh, wow, fail. that's a hard. 38. That's a hard life. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm 39 and I look, I still look like a baby. I, my hair is graying, mind you, but the, uh, no. it, it has like hard lines. Yeah. I find that fascinating, Oof. but this portrayal is, oh yeah. His portrayal is sweet like money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel one of the things where we quote argued end quote, but when we were comparing the two films was Fiona Volpe versus um uh, Fatima Blush. That's the that would be the cat fight to end all cat fights. Oh, absolutely. I love them both. Oh, they're great. Now, they're great. And, and they're not playing the exact it's not copy paste performance. They're not trying to mimic what the other actress did. But both of them are just great. Yeah. Well Fatima Blush is kind of on another planet. I, I know. I, I don't think she's I don't think she's on planet Earth. I think she's an alien that's just masquerading as a human being, oh, which is great, but it's She crazy. is proto matey proto Xenia on a top. She's, I mean, she's, uh, uh, in charge of, um, you know, the, 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 
own sexuality. Oh yeah. Uh, and she's, uh, you know, she, she she just wants to f James Bond and then kill him. She's almost oh, yeah. like a praying mantis. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's a very very memorable performance. Uh, is there anything else we want to touch? Uh, you know, this is supposed to be a, a mini version. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's funny if you listen to the commentary track, which I I, I recommend just to hear. Uh, what's his name? The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, uh, uh, Irvin Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner. Kirsch. Uh, he does mention like he's watching the movie. He's like, yeah, I'm getting bored here. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's, uh, that's really funny. It's I don't remember around which part, but um, it's after a, 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 I was gonna call her Vicky Vale. Kim Basinger, um, <laughs> sure. sort of gets abducted, and she, they're they're in the castle, the the, the the fortress, and he's I think he mentions that he's bored. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you made the movie, man. You made yeah. that movie. Yeah. It's your fault. I've heard weird things about the production history on that one that was a little bit uh, difficult yeah. let's say so it took years to make too the what's his face um kevin uh, kevin, McClory, kevin yeah. McClory, right that was that was very very difficult tr- he had one thing and he tried to milk it his, yeah. his entire life it's it's you know it, it's a little bit i find it sad because he did write like he, he obviously had talent but he spent his entire uh, most of his entire adult life chasing that dragon mm-hmm. trying to yeah. like dude dude you should you, take a chill pill, man. <laughs> sell, uh, make a deal with broccoli, and just partner up to make the movies with them, or do something. I mean, be creative. Don't don't get you know. I think Orson Welles w- was reflecting like, at the end of his life on uh, movie making, and he says, "Yeah, you know what? I should have stopped at one point because uh, I spent years mm. sort of begging for money, and that's not that's not a life. I shouldn't went into politics or something." <laughs> and I'm like. When I heard that, I'm like, yeah, at one point you need to, like... Go into politics. <laughs> chase something else. Yeah, but, yeah. I agree. So, um, yeah, those, those, it's, a, it's a jumble of thoughts. On jumble of thoughts, as we are wont to do whenever we send these in. It's nothing, 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 there's no through line. We sort of just spitball, but, you know, it's a fun movie. I like it. Do I love it? No, but I do enjoy it. And and I always feel a little bit sad when people poo-poo it just because it's the yeah, non-official there, There's a, a cut we actually watched together. We uh, did with a, a friend of the show, well, personal friend, too, yeah. uh, who uh, has a copy with a, with a John Barry slash David Arnold slash Michael Kamen slash... Everyone. <laughs> You know, that's why I, I'm, I'm, you know, they, they, they didn't tweak the film as much as I wished. That's why I'm, I'm sort of working, contemplating, doing my own version because I'm mm. like, there's, there's some colors that you know, that movie, that movie kind of, it's an ugly looking movie. I find at times it's a little bit uh, muddy. The mm. colors are not mm. as vivid. Like it, I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to, co- to, to color correct it. I'm trying oh, yes. to work some. I've uh, seen a snippet of it. It's good yeah. work. It's In good fact, work. some I'm, I'm toying with some and some. But someone uh, and the name uh, Richard something. Uh, I found that he there's a dude online that made an alternative score to uh, never. Oh, seen I it. haven't listened to it yet. But yeah, yeah I know I you sent, sent me the link. I haven't listened to it. I and I'm like, wow, like yeah, that's it. I think that's I'm going to use his yeah. work. I was going nice. to try and sort of get bits and pieces of other scores from John Barry than that he did around the same time that are not Bond. But you know what? I'm, I, I might actually use this dude's uh, score because it's, it's there. Just nice. So cool. we'll see if I finish it. I, I need, I need, you know, any time. I need a new machine. Uh, we'll see. Never say never again. The special edition coming 2025. 20 probably at the time of. Five. Well, basically, whenever Bond 26 comes out at the rate they're doing these. <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. 
All right, boys, that'll be it from us. I believe this is your last film before graduation, uh, but we'll leave that for another message. So never say never again. Uh, we've been the James Bond Complex. My personal name is Edgar. My personal name is Matt. It is, with two T's. With two T's. <laughs> We're on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google Play. Are we on Spotify now? Yeah, we are now. I've, uh, you know, I just started using Spotify as my... Um, music listening service and because uh, I was on Google Play and my brother actually uh, has the subscription and he offered to nice. add me in his family. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Uh, and yeah, I'll, ta- I'll talk about it when yeah. we record another. Yeah. We have people everywhere. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Merci beaucoup, guys. À la prochaine. Au revoir. Good thoughts. They jumped on one thing that we all kind of agree on, man. That Klaus Brandauer really kind of makes the movie. Does a great Largo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, totally. I agree. I agree with what Pat. I was it Pat. I think it was Pat that said, you know, he might have had the eye patch. But yeah, I mean, you get that eye patch, and on this Klaus Brandauer, and you're easily the game winner. But I do appreciate the Bond Complex guys have an overall positive view of this movie, and uh, I like people that have that positive view. No slight on you, Agent R. It's okay to not like it. Yeah. That's right. All opinions are valid. You guys, I think it's time to go in for our junior agents. I think they're nah, that's one I was w- waiting for. They're going to be the ones to bring it home. So let's go check in with our junior agents, a.k.a. our rusty agents, Jeff and Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Let's see what's going on. Good evening, agents. This is Rick from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I am providing this week's field report on the film Never Say Never Again from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow agent, Jeff, during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are so not prepared. Her bold gambit of dropping a hypothetical on the parental unit seemed to work. The parents openly admit that they would not like it. They equate superpowers to walking around with a loaded weapon and point out that even when superpowers are used for good, well, it seems like they attract violence. Well, gorsh. Ring, ring. Saved by the bell. You know, I never liked that show. And actually, speaking of never, I bet you never thought you would hear me say, pop quiz again, hotshot. (laughs) We're going to set this way back machine to 1983 with the non-eon production of Never Say Never Again, directed by Irvin Kirshner and starring Sean Connery, who famously proclaimed that he would never, ever play James Bond again after saying he would not play it again in 1971. Now, this film was a remake of 1965 Thunderball, which also starred Connery. And so... What are the five other movie remakes outside of the Bond franchise? Okay, huh. Um, Let's just cover the first topic. I really want to say that I feel like I've been shot at the end of each one of these, but I'm not dead, and I never find any bullet holes. Have you been cloning me? The answer to that is, name me five movies that have been remade. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Parent Trap. Nice. Very nice. I know there's more. Because that was the Haley Mill version and the... Yep. It was it was Haley Mills and Haley Mills and, and who's the, the Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan. There you go. Yep. Uh, oh, gosh. I'm starting to draw absolute blanks at this stage, which is super sad. And this is an easy one. I know it is. And I'm just, I'm just proving my rustiest of agents uh, creed. It is... I know there's remakes. There's tons. There's so many. Most John Woo films are remakes of John Woo films. <laughs> Everything Quentin Tarantino does is a whole bunch of movies that's been remade. Freaky Friday, I believe, has been remade. Yeah. 
There's so many that, are, you know, how about every new Disney quote unquote live action version of a movie where it's. I'll let you take beauty. one of those if you can name one of them. Okay. I'll just say Beauty and the Beast because All right. Walk, Walking Tall. Nice. Got good remade. One. Yeah. Yep. With the new one with The Rock and yep. the old one with Joe Don Baker. <laughs> so there's four. What's a fifth one? Come on. What's don't get fifth? shot. Oh, I'm probably going to get shot anyway. Oh, man. Five, four, three. I'm just going to look out and stare at the bunnies for a minute, Rick. All right, let's talk about... I'll give you three other ones that actually have people who were in the original and in the remake. Cape Fear, 1962 and 1991. That was a remake? Yep. Both Robert Mitchum and Gregory Peck appear in both films. Planet of the Apes, 1968 and 2001. Charlton Heston appeared Mm -hmm. in both of those. Mm -hmm. And then Sleuth, 1972 and 2007. Michael Caine appears in both of those. Okay. Uh, So Scarface and Red Dragon are a couple other ones that I would also put on there too. Red Dragon uh, was a remake of Manhunter. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, thank you for playing. Um, Look at your bunny. Uh, Look at your bunny. Let me look out the window. Look at all the bunnies. <laughs> look at all the bunnies. Training, as always, will continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Will we come back? Well, let's not say never. Thanks for accepting our reports. And until next time, junior agents signing out. And that's it for our sentence tonight. That's another fun one from Jeff and Rick. Always appreciated. It's so funny that there's tons of remakes, but when you're put on the spot like that, it is easy to freeze up. Sure. <laughs> Go to the Disney well, though. That's that's what I've learned. <laughs> the Lindsay Lohan well is, you got two of those. <laughs> yeah, you just keep, keep your azimuth pointed at Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, always a blast, guys. Thank you so much for sending that in. Well, that'll bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow us on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. Thank you, Pat. And thanks to the fellas for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. As always, if you want to leave a question, comment, audio file, just send it over to ohmspod at outlook.com or hit us up on Twitter at ohmspod. Or you can contact any of us directly on our social medias. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook. Pat. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin? You can find me at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977 on Twitter. Awesome. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will feature the graduation episode, the ultimate trivia challenge, and the official ranking of the Bond movies by the entire crew here at MI6 Rookie Agents. So there's lots to do. We're looking forward to the graduation. Oh, I think there's going to be some send-ins from some of our friends, guys. We're looking forward to that. I'm excited. It's going to be a party. And Sean will probably be here. Maybe Christopher Walken will stop by. You never know. We might hear something from Gary Moneypenny. Maybe oh, Countdown Jerry will stop by. It's just going to be a blast. So Maybe he could do that. the list. Yeah, yeah, Jerry Countdown do Jerry should totally do <laughs> Totally do yeah, the list. That'd be cool. 25. <laughs> and Countdown. But the bottom line is, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. Thank you.
once when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. Say never again. Bye. I don't know today. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I know. This is bad. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. I've got it. I've I'm, got sure, it. I'm holding really still. Like, I was, like, like you guys know this. And I didn't study. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like Stream Duck froze. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, hang on. I've, this I've, is crazy. But this one, Lonnie Hall. Yes, that sounds right. Lonnie. It says um, it was Monty Hall. Monty yeah. Hall. Let's make a deal. <laughs> never say never. You're gonna take this deal. <laughs> and not make sure not he eats, spoil eats that. his broccolis. That's right. Yep. It's good all health. These, all your jokes are not gonna land. <laughs> never say never. Damn <laughs> it. Never. Anyway. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I honestly don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> yes. And this is 1983, so I'm the man in. I'm here to say. <laughs> Reagan rap. <laughs> Reagan rap. Tip O'Neill. Push in the George, George Bush. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell do we all remember that? <laughs> because everyone the same stuff. That was, that was that a great ice, uh, <laughs> I hear your ice, Pat. Well, you're laughing, so I didn't let it go. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Freddy's outside. I'm going to bed. Okay. I'm going Freddy's outside. Got it. I want some WD forty for that. Thing is loud as fuck. Patented LBC haunted squeaky door, man. <laughs> <laughs>